This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. And Hoggle, if she ever kisses you, I'll turn you into a prince. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this extraordinary podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this extraordinary podcast. Think of me as Pumbaa to Dave's Timon. He's skinny and talks a lot and my friends always stand downwind. It's <laughs> a good one. I like that one. I wish I was skinny. <laughs> the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course, you know by now that we always drift off and talk about nonsense as well. Sometimes it's movie based and sometimes it's just a chat. And we also do delve into spoiler territory, but normally the films are about 20 to 25 years old. So don't blame us if we ruin movies for you. You should have watched them by now. There's no movies today that are less than 20 years old. So hopefully you've seen them. Yeah. (laughs) On today's episode, we are joined by Jacqueline Poole. Jacqueline is a producer and director she has worked for itv she's worked for the bbc she worked for channel four here in the uk she's also worked for warner brothers she has done loads of really cool stuff and she now has a very own production company too so she's out there making her own really cool stuff yeah and i'm very excited we are very excited to sit down with jacqueline and talk all things sequels with her these are jacqueline paul's unequal sequels do you remember the the first sequel you got excited about or the first sequel you saw in cinema. Wow, gosh, that's a um, that's a tough one. It's to warm up the brain, really. Let's see. So if I was to go back in time, hmm, do you know what? I don't actually know what I would have, what sequel I would have seen in cinema. Goodness, you threw me off with that one. <laughs> um, but oh gosh, there would have been there would have been plenty. I'm certain. Oh gosh, you've really got me here, dude. You've really got me. <laughs> this is what happens when you're rushing around. I still have many memories from watching films when I was only what five years old. Yeah, yeah, I remember being introduced to a lot of the films that I love when I was very, very young, and I think that's why they've really stuck with me because I, you know, made an impression at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. So it would have. I am almost certain it would have been like 1989 or something. Would it probably be a Disney film? Maybe not, actually. I have two older siblings. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was, uh, you know, would sneak downstairs and say, so not necessarily. Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine was Home Alone 2. 
if I Home Alone two or the Rescuers two would be my my first uh, memories of a sequel. You know what? I, I feel like you just completely like wiped the floor with me there because how could I forget Home Alone two? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not everyone's answer to be honest. Well, I think gosh, I didn't even. It sounds so silly, but I felt like I had a bit of a brain block. But Home Alone two is one of my favourite films of all time. So how could I possibly not think of that? Thank. <laughs> Um, (laughs) let's go with that one I'd say (laughs) a Christmas film a good Christmas film exactly you can't really go wrong with it aha I know Ghostbusters 2 yes oh yes great what a pick I just loved it I and as a child I remember thinking wow and like a a river of pink gunge is like great because it's like and (laughs) and it's luminous and I was dupe from the paintings really scare me <laughs> amazing i love ghostbusters 2 i think ghostbusters and ghostbusters 2 are kind of exactly level for me i'm not one of these people that like there's so many people that don't like ghostbusters 2 and they're wrong they're wrong they're just wrong something else that i really liked and this is going to sound terrible and i promise you my parents had no idea that i was watching this this was a classic sneak down at night when my brother and my sister are watching tv um halloween 2 oh yeah really good one we, that is a good one. I've never seen it. I've never seen any of the Halloween movies because I'm quite famously a big wuss and don't like horror horror films. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good one, actually. Um, it's it's very similar to the first one, to be honest, isn't it? If I remember it right. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's a very it quite is exactly that. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis running away from her brother. Very sort of still very seventies looking. I know it was it would have been made in the early eighties. Yeah, but it was um in general, I really like. The Halloween films. They are great. I enjoy them. And before we talk, Jackie, your, your picks are mental. So it's <laughs> not a very nice, Dave. They all scare me, <laughs> apart from the, the worst one. The prob- so... I think the problem is, Dave, you're just a big wuss too. <laughs> <laughs> favourite sequel ever? So my favourite sequel ever. Now, I found this really difficult because, you know, like you said about Home Alone 2, which is just epic. But I thought one of the ones that I absolutely adore that not is not very often mentioned is um, Return to Oz. I absolutely loved Return to Oz. And it was a tough act to follow, Wizard of Oz, you know. It was a fantastic film. It was, you know, it was made at a very classic time. And Julie Garland was the, was the lead actress. So they managed to nail it. And anyone that can can make such a good film and quite dark actually yeah. as it was but you know things like you know the wheelers and because you know if you look at like the end of the last one it ended on such a high and then it goes straight into this quite traumatic opening scene of a, a little girl who is having these nightmares and then gets taken to this what seems like a, a witch who electrocutes her, <laughs> you know, that sort of, yep. and then you hear like these people screaming and they're the patients that have been damaged and you just think, oh my gosh, this is horrific. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, opens up into sort of Oz and you've got things like the deadly desert where if you stand in there, you're, you're going to die and, you know, you're going to just sand. And then you've got, oh gosh, actually, I love this scene. And then she, gets, she gets onto the, she's like, oh, I'm really hungry, and she sees these trees. And, you know, you've got these, like, pails hanging. And there's, like, they're like little lunch pails. And she's <laughs> opening a little ham sandwich like my mum used to make in little squares. I, was like, I love this it. Is, this is just heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a brilliant choice. 
I, I think it's it's ace. And do you know what? I really like this film and it breaks all my rules for sequels as well because it's got a massive gap between the two sequels. It kind of tries to, it follows on from the last one. There's all these things I don't like about sequels. I hate it when sequels have a massive gap, but it's absolutely fine in this. It's it's a brilliant one. I think it's a really good shout and I've really enjoyed watching it. And I, what I like even more is Dave is really scared of it. <laughs> I'm terrified of it. <laughs> oh, Dave, it's, it's not just because the subject's the Get film, which is, you gotta which... watch it. In fact, imagine I did, I did watch it. Cinema. You should watch it again. <laughs> no, no. Right, and the, the thing is, actually, I, I know what you mean. It, it is quite dark, and Fariza, um, Fariza Bulk, the lead actress in it, who obviously plays Dorothy, very young Fariza mm. Bulk. She years later, of course, was the lead of of the craft. Yeah, in itself pretty freaky and scares me so she she really perhaps was slightly typecast in a way but she plays it brilliantly but I think with the return to Oz you can look at it like it is really dark but it's also like if you look at the cinematography and just the the narrative as well yeah it's really quite far out and incredible it's almost like you imagine someone like Carol would write or because it's like you look at things like you know the, the head all cut off and then the yeah. next thing that scene is scary yeah but you is know that the, the scariest bit for you days <laughs> um anywhere there's a puppet freaks me out <laughs> so the scarecrow in particular freaks me out when he came up at the end because it's just his features but and if yeah puppets we're getting to your dream sequel later but anywhere there's a puppet freaks me out or stuff like that basically I'm terrified of stuff like that yeah, the puppet head. oh Matt yeah no oh out of, yeah that's too much little... found it all too much his little voice. What? Yeah. When did you first see this? Was it when you were really little? Was it like I must have been about six, five or six? Wow. I know, right? Trauma. Yeah. Trauma. I think I, I would have. <laughs> I wouldn't have been far off that age either when I saw it. And yeah, mm. it didn't didn't trauma, traumatize me, Dave. I watched it the other day, and I'm still not actually quite sure what the um the storyline is. So can someone tell me that what the point is? Okay, so now the storyline was it's you know it's about. Of this little girl who's desperate trying to make people believe that she did go to Oz. Yeah. And it's her. Yeah. And then the next thing she goes through that ordeal and she's back in Oz as a result. And then it's her, her, her sort of finding herself back in this land of her dreams. And then the adventure that unfolds to getting back out of that land, which I thought was really quite extraordinary. And what is not so dark along the way is, you know, there's, there's, whilst there's those dips and those sad bits, like when you see the headless women dancing and whatnot. You've got these really beautiful bits, like where she does make these friends along the way, like TikTok and Pumpkinhead, and oh, TikTok. brings them to life. And they're really lovely. And they're what whilst they were all once very lonely, they're now all become a little, a little, um, what do you call it, like a, a group of um, soldiers for sort of freedom. And then they go over to the mountain, and then you've got all the lovely bits where you know she touches anything green and says oz and they all start appearing again and it's like defeat of you know good of over evil so every cloud <laughs> yeah does she actually go to us or is, or is it all in her head i've never really thought about it until this very moment that's the yeah. question isn't it because all the characters in oz are the same people that she sees in real life that's that's the clever thing about it is that all the characters in, in oz are played by the same actors who are in the in real life so like the nurse in the sanatorium is the the witch who takes her heads off and the the, the gnome king is play, is played by the guy who plays the doctor in really? the sanatorium yeah yeah 
Have you, not, have you not got this at all? It's the no. same in Wizard of Oz, Dave. <laughs> all the all the characters in Oz are the same as the characters in real life. So who's TikTok? The machine, the electric machine. Yeah, but oh, he is. Who he is <laughs> You're absolutely right, Rich. And I, I love that because I guess what it is is a ma- uh, manifestation of her sort of fantasy world and how she sort of places the people that are actually in her life in, in the real world. Yeah, I think it's a lovely film. Uh, and also, I love that, that they win by the chicken essentially nervously dropping an egg out. <laughs> like, ruddy, I love that. That ruddy chicken. <laughs> he saves the day. Yeah, the chicken the saves the day. <laughs> exactly. All it took. Maybe we could get some chicken eggs and throw them at like Trump and, <laughs> and see what happens. You just don't know. That's <laughs> how to get rid of internet trolls. We just throw eggs at them. <laughs> That's ruddy genius. <laughs> Dave, you've already lit up, honestly. I feel like this is going to be a new page for you in your life. I don't think I'll watch it again, Jackie, if you don't mind. It really did scare me. And, like, it's not it's not a child-friendly film, is it, Rich? Did you let George watch this? I was going to let George watch it, and then my wife went, no, the wheelies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> all right then. <laughs> yeah, they're freaky. Everything about this freaky, film is really but- freaky. He, he watched Jurassic Park with no problems when he was like three. Like, this is not scarier than Jurassic Park. Uh, it is. In a different way, it is. <laughs> it is. You could argue that lots of films, like if you look at some of the Disney films, it's really frightening. Like Aladdin's chased by guards with huge swords or Alice in Wonderland. Look what happens to her. Like, she almost yeah. gets by a bunch of flowers like and then she's like almost killed by a queen and then she's completely done over by a, a cat and then she meets a couple of nutters in a, a tea party so <laughs> yeah, they're all got, all quite kids dark. need a bit of jeopardy yeah i think george would enjoy it i think he'd like it they'd be the sort of film he'd talk about non-stop for like three days and then completely forget well i don't know no 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 <laughs> i don't think so do you have a favorite character from it jack when I return to Oz, yeah. Do you know what? I'd probably say my favourite character would. I don't know. I think it'd probably Pumpkinhead actually. Right. You know, like when she sprinkles the, the magic powder on, and he just yeah. sort of life. Yeah. Like, oh, he's just got this really sweet <laughs> dude who you wouldn't expect to have this lovely little voice and ask Dorothy if he can call her mum. <laughs> <laughs> I love the moose head thing that flies. I don't even know yeah. what it's called, but I've always loved that ever since I was a kid. Attached to his as his body. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was brilliant. It's like we made you, and then we sprinkled this dust on you, and you came to life. And he's like, "Oh, so what am I?" And you're like, uh, "You're a thing." <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Love it. I think it's a great choice, Dave. I think it's a great choice. I think it's a an interesting choice. So you were saying like you, you're a fan of the original. So would you say this is better than Wizard of Oz? For me, absolutely. You know, wow. like, yeah, I think like I like the Wizard of Oz because I remember it as a classic and there's that whole nostalgia. Um, my mother was a big Judy Garland fan, so I watched other Judy Garland films. I think for me, though, whilst I absolutely loved the original, I thought the Return to Oz offered a much more modern sort of twist for me it was much more contemporary in many ways and the way it was shot in particular yeah you know for me I it just spoke to me more in a, a non-weird way <laughs> it was just you know I found it way more entertaining and more like 
wow, this is this is a true adventure. This is just like what it, you just don't know which way it's going to go. I agree. I think for us eighties kids, the Return to Oz, it, it said more to us than the the original did. I, I don't. I think I saw Return to Oz before I saw Wizard of Oz. I wouldn't have seen them in order. I don't um, think I even knew this existed until a few years ago. Really? Yeah, I think it might, yeah. I remember someone telling me about there was this. They pretty much describing it. They take it to a lunatic asylum at the beginning. I was like, ha, 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 that sounds like a crazy idea. And then <laughs> it is pretty much what happens. I know a little bit of a fact actually. So it's set. It's set in eighteen ninety nine. Right, the the whole thing. And there is a bit where the nurse chases Dorothy with an electric torch, which wasn't invented till like nineteen ten. So... <laughs> Next, you will get a taser. Nice. Like, Hang on. <laughs> nice bit of you know. That'd be helpful. In us. Although maybe they went ahead of the times because you know they're already doing electric shock therapy for people, weren't they? So. Well, that's true. That's true. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a great film, but. Rich, you said something a minute. Oh, was it you, Dave? Actually, you. Depends how good it is. I'll take credit for it. You you didn't actually watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's one of those films that you could completely watch without watching one because it's that's why it make it's made it's such a good sequel because Mm. you don't even need to see the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a forty-six year difference, wasn't it? Forty-six. Yeah. Doing my maths right. It's a long time. (laughs) I was about to say, did you see Wizard of Oz when it first came out? But that would be impossible. (laughs) But don't worry, because we were in the same year at uni. So, Dave, what does that say about you? I'm old. No, I'm old. (laughs) Don't you worry. Rich is older. Oh, oh, we didn't need that. That wasn't called for. (laughs) (laughs) You should watch Return to Oz. It sounds just like right up your street, actually, Dave. (laughs) You weren't in it. Oh, Dave. Poor boy. Beaten down. <laughs> I was disappointed there wasn't more Tin Man and wasn't more Lion. I think there was supposed to be. And there were there were big swathing budget cuts to it. And, really? and so they got turned into kind of periphery characters instead. I have got one critique of it, actually. Something that I really wasn't... I it Actually, as a child, it really confused me. And as an adult, you know, and a filmmaker myself, I'm thinking what were they thinking like there's budget cuts and there's just absolutely absurd ideas and at the very end they shoehorned in the um the lion and other characters and they were completely dissimilar to the original characters in the way they looked so it sort of took away the sort of the shine and the charm I don't think it you know it wouldn't have been that hard to get yeah Scarecrow's face is the worst thing I think for me (laughs) Apparently, he was supposed to have like a fully animatronic face that was like, you know, would move all on its own and things, but they couldn't, they didn't have the budget. So they just went, oh, we're just painting his face in the sack. Oh, be fine. so bad. <laughs> Honestly, it's such a shame because, like, it, it would have been actually really cheap to just put together a costume that was, you know, you could just do it really easily in the art department, but they, you know, that's just more laziness than budget. So, um, that, yeah, that annoys me a bit. <laughs> Do you know what annoyed me a, 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 a little bit was when the rock man at the end they were going from like the gnome say, king, Dave. The, the gnome king sorry <laughs> that weird fella <laughs> where they, they were going from a man in a suit to visual effects they just couldn't pick one I found that really do you know I what I mean not think, I think that's quite I think that's quite sort of unique for quite ahead of its time because that's essentially what they do in Jurassic Park to make that look real isn't it I would, like... I would have liked it if they just kept with the visual effects side instead of putting the man I found it really off-putting 
Oh, okay. I liked that because, like you said, Richard, I felt like it was a more modern take on on Oz. Oh. <laughs> I love how much you love this film, Jax. <laughs> Imagine a little girl leading this. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Sorry, I can't. Like she, she was a little one, and she was a legend. And some really big actresses as kids went for this movie. So um, Drew Barrymore auditioned for it. Oh, really? Alanis Morissette auditioned for it. And Juliette Lewis auditioned for it as well, all as children. Wow. So, yeah, there was always going to be a great Dorothy. Oh, my goodness. Apparently the Gnome King as well was that um, they were trying to get Christopher Lloyd to be the Gnome King. And then Tim Curry as well. Was oh, Tim Curry would have been great. He would have yeah. been. Oh, my gosh. Now, that would have been something. Oh, yeah. Do you know, just looking at how old Feruza Bolk is now versus when the film came out, it looks like she was nine years old. Really? Yeah. Wow. So Dorothy got younger, right? Wasn't she like 15 in the first one or something? Or I don't think she was supposed she... to be 15, Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think she was playing younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 weird to think of Feruza Bolk as, as, as the little girl. When I first watched it, I was like, that's, hang on. Isn't she the Nazi girl from America of History X? Uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, <laughs> she's almost got range. famous for me. <laughs> yeah, or the Water famous. Boy. I was about to say the Water Boy. She's hilarious in that. She's great. Yeah, she's great in the Water Boy. Yeah. Where's that sequel? Well, that would also. I do love an Adam Sandler. So. Oh, yeah. I've got. I've got another interesting fact about this movie as well. It's the first time that Disney used the blue background with the rainbow going over the castle. Really? In, on this movie, yeah. Well, that there is a go. fact. Bit of knowledge. <laughs> well done you see that's why i'm here you see that's why you pay me the big bucks you know just to come up with useless knowledge like that brilliant just one last thing i, I remember when i was younger pretending that like my garden was a deadly desert and we had to actually <gasps> on things oh how sweet <laughs> hey guys let's throw some things on the floor and pretend we can only walk on it otherwise we'll turn sand oh <laughs> love it i've, I've love got an it. image now thank you <laughs> Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. This episode is brought to you by Intuit, the technology platform that brings financial confidence with products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. You might have learned the recorder in school, but probably not how to navigate the financial world. Luckily, Intuit's on a mission to help with the free Intuit for Education program. It provides students with the lessons to learn essential skills, like how to build credit, file taxes, and budget. Check out their free resources at intuit.com education. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. What is the most disappointing sequel you've watched? So not the worst, but one you've just come out, you built it up in your head, and then you come out and you're like, ugh. So this is, instead of being the worst sequel ever, oh. this is one you where you've gone like, I love this movie, the first one, and then you go to watch the second one and it's rubbish. So I'm thinking like Matrix and then Matrix Reloaded. So you found really disappointing. Or, or like Rise of Skywalker okay. or something like that, where you love the first two. one and then the second one's poo. 
Yeah, right. I take yeah, right. So um gosh, that's a difficult one. Um God, you guys are really throwing it at me. <laughs> Rich would put Transformers too. But it doesn't I would even definitely like... put Transformers 2. But then I don't even like Transformers 1. So that's... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I actually, I tell you what, I wasn't always that impressed with some of the James Bonds. Great picks. That's a good choice, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I was always a Roger Moore girl myself. And I loved, like, you know, the ones that he was in. But then there were a few, and I don't shoot me, but, like, even, like, the Daniel Craig ones, they just never really got me. No, agreed. It's just not my thing. 100%. I feel exactly the same. Everyone thinks I'm weird because I don't like Bond. No. You don't like Bond or you don't like some Bonds? Don't don't really like any, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm not a big so, fan. I quite, yeah, quite like a... Moonraker, I think, which I don't think is even a good one. <laughs> I don't think it is. Quantum of Solace is one of the most disappointing ones recently, I would say. What even the last one? What was it called? Oh, I like the one where it's basically Home Alone in it but for grown-ups skyfall that yeah. skyfall that, that was one's great. all right because yeah it's home alone for grown-ups right that was yeah. the one after that was disappointing oh i just thought of one go on i i am also like this is classic from creeping downstairs to watch from films with my brother and my sister who are older i am um, not that my parents knew they were watching them they were just much smarter at hiding them i really like nightmare on elm street by wes craven mm. Kruger and the first one for me was just the best scary film like it was terrifying and then when number two came out it was like yeah I can't wait and it was such a letdown oh I remember that and then number yes. three was better but it wasn't hard to beat number two to be honest it was horrific in a not a good way yeah <laughs> why was it so answer. much why was it so much worse than the first one do you know what I still remember I thought the acting was terrible and even as a kid I thought that and that's saying something I just really distinctly remember like finding it a bit I don't know I just found it all story was a bit rubbish and the way it was filmed I just remember thinking that was just really crap (laughs) (laughs) yeah we all have that moment so cinema is magical and amazing and films are so cool and then you there's suddenly that moment in your childhood where you go hang on a minute this one's rubbish (laughs) I think we all get there yeah you're right and in some cases, it kind of like, you know, it's like it's like post-traumatic stress disorder. You start thinking, is every sequel going to be shit? In, in <laughs> but fortunately, not, because then you've got no. both what you said and also Conjuring 2, you know, in the world of horror, this is Insidious 2. Again, great film. So there is Brilliant. hope. And what's the worst sequel you've ever watched? Okay, so... There's many out there, but um, I'd say because I absolutely adored the previous one, um, yeah. it'd probably be Jewel of the Nile. I had such high expectations. You so really bad. Hate it. <laughs> so bad. How could they? When did you first see it? Was it recently or was oh, it when yeah. it came out? I haven't watched it in years. Um, but I have watched Romancing the Stone, which, which is great. Yeah, and it's one of my all-time favourite films. Like, I just, I just love it. It's... I still can't walk across a wooden bridge without kind of doing those steps like Kathleen Turner does. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm her. <laughs> you know, it was such an adventure. And, you know, just everything about it from when they find, is it the rum? And they find, you know, they, they, they just whole experience through the jungle and, you know, <laughs> how like when they finally get to like civilization and they find these clothes and she just looks fabulous all of a sudden after being covered in mud and just like oh, yeah. 
just like <laughs> when they go looking for the actual jewel and they find it and oh my goodness the moment that they dig up and find that like really like you like priceless looking ornament and then she goes oh yeah but usually the jewel's hidden in it and then he goes okay and they break it and then out comes this amazing beautiful emerald and that just that moment oh even when at the beginning when she's just written a book and she celebrates by throwing up the plate in the fireplace and like opening those little miniatures yeah 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 and I might have opened one of my parents miniatures trying to reenact that <laughs> <laughs> and so what why is the second one so bad why is jewel of the nile so bad compared to that just uh just everything about it um storyline it's just not as strong it really it was a it was a tough one to follow but i just i remember like several times when i went back to watch it again that i couldn't actually get through to the end of it because i just and that's the worst thing about this movie right is that it's not it's bad it's bad enough that you watch it and go well this is hideous but it's not bad enough that you remember that it's hideous yeah so you go back in 10 years time and watch it again and go why am i why am i doing this to myself <laughs> what's happened here it couldn't have been bad as i remember and then you're like yes yeah, it is yeah, as yes it is it, it's worse like the, the older i get the worse this film gets yeah <laughs> everything about oh, it it's God. got like one joke in it it's like just danny devito falling off a camel that's like literally <sighs> the only joke in the whole film they didn't have to bring him back in this one I could have quite yeah. happily not had Ralph, but the chemistry of the other two is what Romance and Stone is so good. Like- mm. um, so, so yeah, essentially the reason this film is so bad is because Kathleen Turner didn't want to do it. She didn't think the script was good enough and she was spot on because it's yeah. not. Oh, I didn't want... Wow, that's amazing. Michael Douglas owns, the, owns the, like, the production company that makes it, basically. So Michael Douglas sued Kathleen Turner to Before. get her to come and make this movie. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, so no wonder there's no chemistry, because I think they literally like didn't like each other at that point. Unbelievable. So what an amazing fact. Yeah. So she's been pressured to make make the film before she made Not it. even pressed, not just pressured, like literally sued to have to come and make it. Imagine so, made, made to go to work and you've been sued and then you've got to go and you've got to not only work with this person, but you've got to have chemistry with this person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then apparently, like, there was a plane crash and three members of the crew died mm. in the plane crash. And there's, there's like, like an interview that Michael Douglas does where he basically just describes it as like an inconvenience. And I'm like, dude, people died. People died. <laughs> and then, like, the rest of the crew got hepatitis and they couldn't leave Morocco. And, oh, God, it was all crazy. It was really crazy. But also, it you know, it doesn't... There's a big kind of Robert Zemeckis-shaped hole mm. leading this movie, like... You can't replace him, and it just, yeah, it just was poorly put together. Not fun. And the first one's so much fun, and this one's just, oh, it's boring. This one's really quite racist. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but okay. Go on. They must, they must have reconciled because, or maybe this was their way of just getting it all out of their system. Because obviously, about three or four years later, after the failure that was the Jewel of the Nile, they made the War of the Roses, which is yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so oh, I'm, not sure, be, I'm not sure. There must be friends Yeah, I'm not sure how they made friends again, but Danny DeVito's in it, so maybe they all. Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito are like really good friends. Yeah, like they started on like Broadway together and were in like lots of different things together. They were in ah, oh, what I can't kind of think of it. They were in like the Broadway version of One Throw One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. Oh, okay. Um, together and they've been like friends for a long time. So I think that's, I think they try and work together as much as they could. Who knows? Maybe Michael Douglas turned around and said to Kathleen, look, 
I know you probably really hate me right now. I've got this great film that I'm making in about four years' time, and actually, <laughs> you can just completely rip me to shreds on screen because you're going to hate me because I'm for the roses. And she's like, "Yep, I'm done. Sign me up." <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. <laughs> We've got to hate each other. We'll be perfect for this role. You don't have oh, to have no. the chemistry, though. Not quite so much, yeah. do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, but yeah. But I, like you said, um, Dave, a second ago, it's the thing about the Romancing Stone is that it's just so fun. Like when they meet that guy and, you know, he he's like, John Wilder, the John Wilder. <laughs> and he's got like his gun. He's going, I've read your books. I've read all your books. She's like, <laughs> 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 he turns to like all these like men who are like about to kill them and say, oh, John Wilder. And he says in Spanish, this is what I read to you before bedtime. Like these like strong men. And they're like, oh, bonita. <laughs> so funny <laughs> he just like reduced these little boys and um you know just and then he's like turns around and turns to mark douglas get the door just get the door like just doesn't give a shit about him anymore it's so funny. and yeah. then their whole journey is just it's great i love the intro to mark douglas in that, in that film as well on the bus you just yeah, wake up this morning and say hey i'm gonna ruin someone's life today yeah <laughs> yeah he gets cold, doesn't he in the water bag yeah, and they, they they slide down a massive hill, don't they? If I remember right, and then get really yeah. muddy. Oh, it's so good. It was so, yeah, because everyone's searching for the next in, next Indiana Jones, and everyone thought, oh, this could be it. We could have another like really good series, and then Jewel of the Nile came along and absolutely killed it. I think there still have been rumours that they, they were always going to make in a third, but it never got round to it. I don't even get Kathleen Turner in it anymore either. I so. mean, it'd be hard to make a third now, right? Where they set it in an old people's home, like well, they did in Indiana Jones Five. <laughs> True, true. They are doing Indy 5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it could be a possibility for the future. You imagine. Gosh, the, the chemistry on screen, though, is, is very good on that film. And I think every actor was really brilliant. Like, you know, the guy who played Ira and obviously Danny DeVito, who yeah. was the younger brother. Ralph, yeah. You know, Ralph. I, I think that they... I just think they really nailed it. Like even like the dance scene. And another thing is the the music they used. I thought, you know, a really great film when you remember the soundtrack so well, even yeah. when it's not a well-known song. Yeah, there's like this song that, you know, it's like it's like a, a Spanish song. like da -da 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 -da. And it just goes to this moment where, and I can still hear the sounds, but they've obviously layered a soundtrack and then they've put sounds of people in the background and highlighted some of them and it's just this moment and it's when they share their first kiss on the dance floor oh and it's really but it's a really powerful moment because it's sort of they sort of that's where their relationship begins and you think oh wow this is romantic and then it cuts to them in bed and he's like reaching around to like get the map the other thing it's a treasure hunt like how cool is that? Yeah, and there's no hunt in the second one because the jewel's a person. Yeah. But it does have the going yeah. gets tough on the end. Yeah. And that's it where does. we got that from. So without that, we wouldn't have had that yeah. classic Billy Ocean song. Well, I think we'd probably have had the song. We just wouldn't have wouldn't have had the video with them in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible video thinking about it. <laughs> I can't I can't think of anything good to say about Jewel of the Nile, to be honest. I can't yeah. I think that there's there's really nothing good I can say about it. No, no, great picture. So it's just a non non thing to talk about, really, isn't it? Because it's yeah. just not that eventful. And one thing I would say about Romancing the Stone as well is it's got like these really funny bits that I don't didn't really get at all. Like you said, there was the camel moment, but that wasn't even that funny. But you know, when Danny DeVito, um, he's trying to get he's trying to get some the map out of her bag, 
And then yeah. there's a quite large lady sitting at, at dinner and she sort of notices as her napkin falls on his arm. And she's like, what the hell is this crazy man doing? Is he a perv? So she picks him up and beats him up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that in... No, in- there's, there's mm. nothing like that at all. It's a yes. brilliant choice. It's a really brilliant choice. I'm really glad you chose it so I could remember how bad it was. Yeah, <laughs> I never have to watch it again now, which is seems to be a running theme now. It's on my list now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on my list with Batman and Robin and Alien versus Predator 2. Yeah. It's in there as, as to be avoided at all costs forever. Yeah, there's no need for it. I don't know if you noticed, though, that they've, whenever I've like bought, I've bought a couple of the Manson Stain CDs in the past, and, um, sorry, DVDs, and I've always noticed that they sell the two together in like a, a double pack. And it's like, ah, oh, kind of. <laughs> Dave has exactly that double pack. Got it on the screen. This guy is holding up the exact one. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't I only really want that one. And it's like, oh, well, I suppose you've got a coaster as well. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Put your tea on it. Guys, you made it. You know, you can't win them all. No, no one plans to make a bad film, but sometimes it just happens. We've all been, trust me, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I've made many bad films. (laughs) (laughs) You're not always going to win a BAFTA. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy rocky ridges. Now, drum roll please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. So what is your dream sequel? So, my dream sequel. Now, I really had to think long and hard about this one. Um, and I was, oh, I was toing and throwing. But I decided that the chosen one would be the labyrinth. Love it. Love it. it. Again, I absolutely love it because Dave is so scared and freaked out by this movie as well. (laughs) I can't tell you how many nightmares this has given me when I was a young boy. Really? Honestly. Still, the things that throw the heads up and down terrify me. The hands going down and the fork. (laughs) 
that there's goblins. Yeah. In, yeah. The sport that there's goblins in my cupboard waiting under the bed and stuff. I can't get over it. I'll never <laughs> forgive it. I'm terrified of it. It's I, I've seen horror films. I've seen thrillers that are meant to scare you. And the films I'm most scared of is this one. This I, My brother bought it for me a couple of years ago for a laugh. I've got rid of it straight away. Just Amazing. the puppets freak me out as well. Anyway, you know, why do you love it? I, I, for me, for some, you know, but the thing is, I just, I totally understand it. it there are certain bits like the fiery traps that you're talking about. You keep throwing their heads around. That is quite scary, particularly when she goes to escape and it's almost like they're going to stop her. Yeah. And I think a lot of these adventure films, it's hard to sort of get away from the fact that, you know, if you go back in time to things like some of like, you know, Carol's writings and just some of the other people like Alice in Wonderland, it, there is a lot of sort of quite pedophilic sort of connotations. You know, even if you look at like certain ballets, you know, I know like the Nutcracker, I found it quite like that. But, and in this one, you know, not only that bit with the fire guys, but also when she's in that, absolutely incredibly iconic and incredible set um of the ball the ballroom you mm. know having that goblin ball and obviously she is like 13 years old 14 years old or something but she's certainly very young mm. um oh, that she's 14 actually that's who she's she's supposed to be 14 and you know obviously you've got a goblin king that's asking her to love him and worship him and you know essentially be his queen so, you know, those sort of moments, I think, as I got older, I thought, wow, it's quite, that kind of is, doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> um, but as a child, you know, you don't see it like that. You know, you just think it all looks very innocent and, you know, you kind of, the bit that scares you is the costumes and the, oh no, are they gonna hurt her? And, oh, Ludo's huge. Oh, he's nice, that's fine. He can protect her sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I just, there was so much magic involved, like, the journey of her going there and for me you know I I, <laughs> I used to get lipsticks <laughs> and I draw arrows on the pavement <laughs> so sorry everyone <laughs> it was me <laughs> I am Banksy <laughs> oh but yeah so I really I really did like I was really I loved it and actually the hands I Maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I loved it so much. I just saw it as little, little bits of art in a way. And I'd be like, that's my fa first favourite. That's my second favourite. That's my oh third. My Honestly, I did. Ask my mum. It is. It's like art. I think it's like art. I think it's like a, a, an art installation of a movie. And, you know, the fact that David Bowie's in it is even better. Yeah, It's unique. I would say that about it. And, and so many people love it. It's incredible how many people enjoy it and how I seem to be the only one that doesn't really like it <laughs> yeah. at all. Did you see it as a small girl when you were young? Because when was yeah, this made? I can remember the first moment I saw it, actually. Um, Tell us about it. I was eight years old. And I, when I was younger, I had terrible asthma. And I was, I was admitted to hospital for a few days. And when I came out, my brother and sister were really excited to have me watch The Labyrinth as like a sort of welcome home. And they're like, oh, this is my sister, who's the eldest, said, oh, this is a film you're going to love. And I was like, oh, okay, just really happy to be home with the family. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there and just being really cosy and it being like nice and dim in the room and watching the labyrinth. And it was just mind blowing. It was like happy to be home. Awesome film. 
and then starring a guy who became one of my idols throughout my mm. life and wrote the soundtrack, which, oh my gosh, I know every word to every song. <laughs> What's your favourite song? Oh, it has to be, you remember the babe, what babe, babe, the power, 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 voodoo, voodoo, mummy of the babe. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that bit. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had anyone sing on this podcast yet. So thank you. <laughs> Plenty more, but I won't do that to you or your listeners. <laughs> if, if that's your dream sequel, what would what, what what would the dream sequel be? What do you think? If you if I had an infinite amount of money and I'm a magic movie producer and I could say to you, here you go, Jax, here's all the money I've got. Go and make whatever movie you want. Okay, and I can bring people back from the dead as well. Yeah, I was oh. about to say, that's the only thing, like no matter yeah. how you've got, that might not be possible um, even today. Um, <laughs> now, it's funny you said that, because I was speaking to some friends. Um, I was on a BBC job a few days ago, and I was sitting around with my crew, and I said, guys, the thing is, I love, when I was saying about Labyrinth, I said, I love the Labyrinth. And as much as I'd love there to be a sequel, where would it go? Like, look at the ending. And I went through it with them. And like the other, like my co-director turned around and said, but Jax, when has that ever stopped anyone making a sequel? Yeah. Like, and I went, that is a really good point. Thank you, Matt, mm. for that point. <laughs> my colleague, Matt. And I just thought, um, yeah, that's really true. It doesn't look at like the jewel of the, in the Nile, look at like loads of these sequels. They don't have necessarily any relationship. It can be a story of its own. Yeah. So I was thinking far too rigid, rigidly that in that respect. So I think, I think it would have to be so, like because you know I, I'd want obviously David Bowie to still be like this really massive prominent role in it, and maybe it could be that he is attempting to steal another child, and she seeks out. Come on. Jennifer. <laughs> when you say like that. You know, he, he is trying to steal a child. Come on, let's put it that way. He's a pedophile. Okay. I know you're not, not you. I mean, Jerry. Okay, Jerry. Not David Bowie. Rock King. Yeah, so, you know, whereas, so she sort of makes it her mission as Sarah, you know. Yeah. She, Sarah makes it her mission. One bit that we can make a link with is where, she speaks to Hoggle and Ludo and the Worm and uh, Didymus and, you know, all the guys and says, when they're like, if you ever need us. And she goes, yes, I, I'll need you, you know, and that really lovely end iconic scene. It could be that she does call upon them and that they all come back. And it could be really fun bringing them each, bringing them back in a different way. And that she's accompanying this other girl who is literally made the mistake of calling upon the Goblin King. And yeah. it, could, it doesn't have to be a brother or a sister. It could be someone else. It could be like she's done it. She called them to come and get her boyfriend. <laughs> so it, yeah. could really, it could be really great and quite glossy and funny, but also quite realistic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? There is actually a sequel in, pre, in post-production. So in pre-production, sorry. Pre-production, okay. not post-production. Not really? And yeah. So she looks nervous, sequel. Rich. And a, apparently the sequel is a young girl has to save her father from the Goblin King rather than a brother or sister. So who's the Goblin King? Have they announced anything? No, they haven't. So they've announced the director. So the director is the guy that did uh, Doctor Strange. Scott Derrickson. Derrickson? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Scott. How do you replace David Bowie, though? I don't who's gonna, know. Who's going to fit like step into those boots? Like, Can I just the, let you know something? Guess what they're calling it. Just, just because I just want to, like, gloat for a minute. Return. 
to Labyrinth. Yes. Are they? <laughs> God knows where they got that from. It could have been like this really great sequel I once saw. <laughs> <laughs> Will they bring all the characters yeah. back? Would you be disappointed if they don't bring the characters back? Oh, I really do. I think, well, don't get me wrong, there's certainly room for new characters, but I think it's so important to keep those in, like, it's like with Star Wars or anything, like where you have these fictional characters to have your staples, like your hoggles mm. and your ludos, because they are, um, you want that continuity to keep to keep it sort of related and, you know, to, to kind of give you that nostalgia, otherwise it's a totally new film. So what would yeah. you do, Jax? Would you um? Would you have a uh, CGI Bowie or would you like hologram Bowie? Oh, I would. Go, <laughs> I would totally do whatever. I would whatever it took. Just made sure, made sure it was him. No one can fill his shoes, and I'm sure that you know they'll do their best and they'll get someone really fantastic. But you know, for me, it's all about Bowie. Um, and I think <laughs> I'll quickly say something actually quite funny. Something I used to always think when I was a little girl. Why didn't she just get a really big ladder and climb up those walls and then put it across to the next one and climb and just keep going to just in the middle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a very interesting film. No, so. probably not. <laughs> It'll save me two hours of being petrified under the duvet, though. <laughs> just a ladder. Don't... The whole scene in the is it the scrapyard freaks me out as well when they Love remade it. the uh, and the witchy woman. Oh, how funny. I only spoke to my friend about that. Like two weeks ago, I was up in Yorkshire with uh, my friend Hannah. We were talking about it and I don't know what made me think of that, but I just, we, we just flashed out that scene together and I just said it was so amazing how she was just piling all the stuff on her. Like, oh, don't forget your horsey. Oh, lipstick, lipstick, make yourself look pretty. Yeah. up. <laughs> and just and then she gets the book and she's opening it and realizes that hang on this isn't the right words and the scene just breaks and that's how it she gets out of this bubble and yeah does she eat an apple as well like snow white kind of thing right it's a peach peach sorry <laughs> you know it's gone better than me i've only watched it a few times she goes hoggle goes to get rid of it uh, in his in fairness and to throw it in the bog of eternal stench again great idea and um he Gareth shouts through like the clouds like I wouldn't do that if I were you <laughs> but then he gives it to her and she eats it and she goes hoggle what have you done and then we enter into this incredible ball scene yeah which really scared me it's quite trippy this has absolutely nothing to do with the movie but I love the bog of eternal stench because yeah. my dog is really farty and so we call him the dog of eternal stench <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's genius absolutely love that scene actually there's many times that I've sort of been either while swimming or gone somewhere and gone oh this is a bit bog of a tunnel stenchy <laughs> I love it but why why is it so po- I don't get why it's so popular though I don't I don't get it is it the Jim Henson puppets it is Jim Henson isn't it it is yes I don't know if you've seen the making of the labyrinth no they really <laughs> honestly you should watch it because You'll have so much respect for how far they went back then because they didn't have the technology that we have now. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Real geniuses in art department. Full respect. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the it's the magic. It's the getting yourself away from something, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's the thing you want to do when you're a kid and w- is watch a movie and forget the real world. And it couldn't be further from the real world. Yeah. That's what makes it amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to take your word on that one. I was just going to say one last thing actually about Jim Henson is that 
what I love about Jim Henson is growing up because my brother and sister adored Michael Jackson and he obviously did Thriller and I just was really excited by the fact that he's really good he knows he knows good choreography so I, we you know it was always going to be quite exciting but also he usually likes to play a cameo doesn't he he'd do that in the labyrinth I don't know no I don't, I don't know. think so you might have done I'll have to look it up we'll find out And those were Jacqueline Paul's Unequal Sequels. I really love Jackie. I think she's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat. It was a, it was a good one. It was good catching up. You know, I don't agree with all her picks because most of them are terrifying, but <laughs> they're all nightmare material. I love how we had to talk about two movies that you find absolutely terrifying. <laughs> oh, me. Especially Labyrinth for life. There's no way I'm ever going to watch it again. And I don't care what people say. I think there are a lot of people that feel the same as you, to be honest, Dave. I've seen... I've seen both Return to Oz and Labyrinth described as nightmare fuel. Hmm. For me, I always I always liked Return to, to Return to Oz, Labyrinth, all that kind of Jim Henson stuff. I would put Labyrinth above most horror films. Really, that I find scary. Wow, yeah, it's it's mentally scarred, especially when I was young. Wow, <laughs> don't want a sequel to that. Totally agree with uh, with Jewel of the Nile. Absolute load of poop. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> I didn't realise how bad it was until I rewatched it again. I think that's make that's what makes it worse, right? Is that yeah. it's not so bad you remember it being awful, so you're subtly tricked into watching it again every ten years or so, and you're going, "Oh no, this is poo." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is really bad. I love the first one, Romance in the Stones, a great film, and the that's the one. Really and I, I always put them together because I have the DVD that has them on together. So yeah, but I think yeah. I think obviously all the problems kind of just just wrecked the second one, and obviously it's just it's just not a good script or a good mm. story at all. Like it's not yeah. just wrecked that one; it wrecked future ones because that could have been a like a, a nice could have been franchise. Yeah. Could have been, yeah. I think there were plans to make it a franchise. But, yeah, I think there was. Oh, well. Uh, never mind. Never Another mind. one gone. <laughs> well, this is our last episode of this series. Although, mm-hmm. we do have an extra episode coming. We do have yeah. a best of. We're going to put, put together all the best bits of this series and yep. treat you to a little best of. You know, making yep. Dave earn his money by doing all that editing. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't wait. I say earn his money. You'll no- have noticed we don't have any adverts on this podcast, so he doesn't earn anything at all. <laughs> Just my time. Yeah. But it's good. I can't... Yeah, looking forward to that one. I wonder what the best bits will be. Uh, oh, <laughs> I wonder. I can think of a few. I can think of a few oh, best bits, actually. Yeah. I can think of some good ones. I've really enjoyed the whole season. Um, I think we made the podcast we wanted to make. Yeah, Which is definitely. Probably the best feeling. Yeah, at the moment. absolutely. And we will one hundred percent be back with series two oh, in yeah. December. We're literally already starting to book guests and get recordings in place, ready to launch yep. it back in end of November. Do you think no, November time maybe? Because we get the recordings done, the quicker yeah. we can come back. We want it. We but... want to get in, in for a good kind of movie season. So you know, yes. Of, November, December, there's some really good sequels coming out. So we definitely want to be back for then. Yes. So, yeah, keep an ear out. We will be back. We will be back. And the extras will more than likely carry on because, yeah. you know, reviews and trailers drop and stuff like that. So yeah. um, me and Rich like talking. So they'll exactly. carry on. And it gives us a chance to talk to each other. Exactly. <laughs> Friendship wins. <laughs> Yay. So thank you, everyone, who's listened. And Thank you. 
you can keep up with us. We'll still be on social media. We'll still be doing that stuff. So you can follow us at Unequal Sequel on Twitter. You can check us out on Instagram, and that's at Unequal Sequel 2. Uh, you can send us an email, which is unequalsequel at hotmail.com. Yes! yes. It only took me 12 episodes, and I blooming nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Really proud you of that. Realize I'm going to forget all that by the time we get to series two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have to go oh, all through yeah. this again, all over again. Give us yeah. a like, give us a subscribe, tell your friends. Please tell your friends. We're getting loads of re- loads of listeners. It's great. We love all you guys listening to us. So yeah, please spread nice. the words. We're really enjoying this podcast. We're getting really good feedback from the guests and stuff, enjoying it as well. So thank you very much for everyone for listening. Thank you. I'm and I think. I think that's it. I think we're yep. done. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back soon for series yes. two. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. No, 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 no question mark. No question mark. We'll see you back for season two. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.